Castles. Is that better? Oh, yes. That sounds sultry and sexy. It definitely sounds sultry and sexy. <laughs> Welcome, Rob. Hey. Welcome to the, the, the early lecture on radio today with myself. And uh, we've, been, we've been threatening to do a, a podcast, and it's been like three years of this. Yeah. And eventually we, we get you in studio. So welcome, and, and uh, I'm sure we're going to have lots of fun tonight. I hope so. Um, yeah. It's a better topic than the other, one, other ones that we discussed. Yeah, possibly yeah probably yeah, the better <laughs> one of the lot. So what we're going to talk about tonight, just so we can give a bit of background. Rob's a, a former captain in the, the South African police, uh, and now currently dealing with uh, private investigation and security consultant. Security consultant. So that's what Rob does. So I thought we need to have a chat about what's currently going on in the country at the moment. And what is currently happening in the country at the moment is a balls up. And we totally. can't say balls up on this radio station. Right. We can't say other words. But <laughs> we can, we so soccer, huh? balls up. Yeah, balls up. Yeah, there balls up. Um, yeah, there just seems to be a, a, quite a weird vibe. And I think a lot of it stems possibly from having COVID and having the police been so sort of uh, in charge sure. to, I just sort of feel now there's sort of like this, um, I don't know what, almost like a martial law type of vibe. Yeah, it was kind of a military state for a while, wasn't it? I mean, well, yeah, it was pretty much a military state. So, yeah. And that's what I sort of feel, we, we, it's just sort of carried on. And uh, I, I don't know, some people might have seen my, my rant on, on uh, Facebook last week where I was complaining Did about... Did you rent on Facebook? I, I don't believe that. Yeah, believe it. Sure, I, I must have missed that one. I was surprised as well. <laughs> but um, what I was saying was that... Um, was what I was complaining about, should I say. I was complaining about the fact that these... The only policing that we really see happen these days is roadblocks. Mm. Like, literally a roadblock, every time you take a corner, sure. there'll be two vans, three vans, or a little bigger one with a couple of cones in it. And our, in conversations with people, I've heard there's like, they aren't allowed to do that sort of thing. So what actually, so this is where we're going to hit you first off tonight, in terms of what is legal and not legal when it comes to, to the roadblock side, in terms of police. Okay. Are they allowed to set up roadblocks? Like, and I mean, obviously we understand the big roadblocks. Well, you can tell us. What kind of roadblocks are we allowed, okay, I think, are they allowed to do? I think we go back to the actual policing there's two different types of policing in Johannesburg, specifically Johannesburg Metro, JMPD, and you've got South African Police Services. Those are the guys with the, the Metro on the side, the, the yellow, the orange. The, the orange. orange. But you obviously get uh, Ukuleni as well. You get different uh, metropolitan areas that have different Metro Police. The Metro Police uh, focus on bylaws, roadblocks, uh, traffic infringements, fines, all those type of things, and that is their mandate. They're also supposed to direct traffic when the robots are out, but they don't. So yeah. that is a metropolitan function of the Metro Police Department, whichever city they may be in. The South African Police Services is totally different. They're a national policing organization that handle cr the criminal justice system, so to speak. So it's national? <coughs> Correct. I mean, and those are those in the vans? Yeah, so that's your normal police van, so to speak. Okay. Um, and they've got totally different rights and powers versus the Metro guys. More or less? More, a lot more. Okay. Um, a metro policeman can arrest you for a traffic infringement or, or drunken driving or anything like that. No. Uh, South African Police Services can stop and search you for no reason. They can do a million different things, whereas Metro can't. So they are kind of um, police themselves, mm. but they don't because not, they're not accountable to anyone. That's the problem that you have. Who's not moment. accountable? The, the Nobody. Police. The, and Metro as well. Okay, so they do what they want. So 
So then the question is, are they allowed to just stop us whenever they want to? Without there actually being a, a visual crime or a visual something that's gone wrong? Yes, they can. So, so the Metro Police Department, they set up their roadblocks for collection of funds. What, however they get that from your fines, whatever they can. Lunch money. Correct. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lunch, dinner, midnight snacks, whatever the case may yeah. be. That's what they do. Um, they can set it up and they have a, a, a correct sort of procedure to follow. The South African Police Service is in their roadblocks. It's done by the station commissioner in the area. There's something called a 137, which is a signed-off document, which we spoke about that the other day. And, and that's, I'm just gonna, that's SAPS, yeah, that's South African Police. So you can ask for that, and that will say what the purpose of the roadblock is, what the crime intelligence is, and that is a function that is totally geared towards crime prevention. That is what the South African Police Service's roadblocks are. Crime prevention. Correct. Now, crime prevention being... Area saturation. No, no, no. So they don't do do traffic. They area saturation. They stop and search cars. They're looking for drug dealers. They're looking for guns. They're looking for the housebreakers. But that's purposely designed. Correct. Okay, but so now I'm approaching a roadblock. How do I know the difference? What type of roadblock? A metro. So so how how do I know approaching it? Like if if I'm just riding up and I see vans, do I have to look physically look at the van to know the difference? Yeah. Is that the only way to tell the difference? Correct. Correct. And metro, there'll be a lot of them uh, normally, or there'll be two on the side of the road looking for a bribe. Okay, so, so that's the question now. Is that, is that legal? Can, can a metro just stand on the side of a road and pull me over? Yes. Is it allowed to, without any reason for it? Unfortunately, in this country, yes. But, yeah, they can. They can if they have due reason to pull you over, either your traffic... So what's the, so what's the reason again? Well, he's like, going to check okay. your traffic. You're going to check your license. He's going to check your license on your car. So he, he can stop the flow of traffic to check Correct. my license? Correct. Ad hoc, ad hocly, no, no Based reason. on whatever he feels. Correct. Okay, and does he have to sh- show that he is a cop by having his lights on? Because that's another thing they do. They sit in the dark. Yeah, because they're trying to catch drunk drivers. Yeah. But yeah. is it allowed? Not really, but they do. Again, they're not policed. So there's no accountability for whether they follow the procedure or they don't. Okay, so the question then, I'm sorry, what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to ascertain is that are they allowed to or they just do it like anything in this country? I mean... You're not allowed to do a lot of things. You're not even allowed to have people at robots. Because mm, that's happens. a bylaw that says no one's a, a supposed to be. But mm. take a ride on the road and you can almost want to kill a couple of yeah. people because they're standing begging they're in the in the lanes selling. Sure. That itself is not allowed. But no one's policing it. Yeah. So Correct. Unfortunately, this, the, the metro police are not policed. So they can stop you anywhere they feel. And no one's going to take them to task. Are they allowed to? I don't believe they are. But they right. do. So who's going to challenge them? Okay, and SAP, are they allowed to just pull you over? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, that's, uh, again, it's a national policing body that they look after the laws of the land. Mm. For whatever suspicion that they want to stop you for, they can. That's the right of this. Again, so they can just set up a roadblock? No. SAPs don't set up roadblocks, but they can pull you over. If they see a... Correct. Uh, SAPs roadblock is totally crime prevention driven, like I said earlier. Okay. All right, well, the WhatsApp line in studio is 064 Double two eight. That's oh six four five three six eight double two eight. If you've got any questions for us, or you'd like to know something about maybe what we're talking about or something else, give us a shout, and uh, let's see if we, uh, if our captain can help us uh, answer them and get to them. So the so going going to what I'm saying right now is that what we're seeing right now is almost a lack of willingness to actually police because. For me, it's lazy policing. You, you, you're sitting up a roadblock and you're just pulling people over for life. It's, it's easy stuff. Mm, correct. They're not, they're not directing traffic. They're not getting rid of beggars at robots. They're not mm. preventing crime. 
They're sure. just sitting up on the side of the road. Well, the, the motorist is the easy target, isn't it? Or um, they stop you and they hassle you. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we get around this? Like what, is, what, what is the solution to this? Because it just doesn't seem to be getting better. Look, I think that's is, a is difficult question to answer because how do you get rid of it? They're doing it anyway. And they've got every reason in their own minds why they're doing it. But it's not target-driven based on crime prevention. So does it go back to the minister, the minister of police, to, to enforce proper policing, to get them to go and do proper police work? Because like, to me it's not police work. Yeah, well, do we actually have police work here? It's more you report a crime and then it gets investigated after the fact. Yeah. We don't do solve the, the problem before it happens. The broken window syndrome, yeah. like they had in New York City many years ago. Okay, but the point is that that's not happening. So no. how do we... Is there, is there a way for us to change that? Do we have to mobilize with protests? Do we have to mobilize through, through, through uh, what do you call that thing when you all sign it? What's that thing it's called? It's a petition. Petition, that's the yes, word. These are the P, Stephen. With a P, yeah. Yeah. Do we have to petition? Is it, what is the way forward? Because I, I think that, and as you spoke about now, the broken window with uh, New York, yeah. they solved their problem by policing and, and changing. The basics. Going back to the small crimes. Sure. Um, being very vigilant with small crime, and it worked tremendously well there. I just feel like we're not even policing the serious crimes, all the small crimes. There's this, it's complete, nothing happening. It's disarray. There's no organisation. I, I agree with you. Because I, I just don't know how. Like, how do we? Is is it a case of getting your voice heard? Is it a case of getting petition? Is it the way of getting hold of local council? A local police I think there's two, there's two ways of doing it. One you can do, as you're saying, which is more demonstrating against what you believe, or you can get actively involved in your communities. So you go to your local community police forum, and you get a voice, and then you have direct contact with your local police station, and you can interact in terms of what your local police station is doing in the community and how you can get involved in your neighborhood watches, all those type of things. Yeah. So there is pro productive, proactive ways of getting involved without trying to change the system because once you're in that system you're not going to change it yeah, so it changes the it. top you, 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 exactly so do, do they still have reservists because i heard sometimes we say that they like reservists are almost they're not yeah, allowing non-existent anymore um, they, they went from a hundred thousand reservists i think there's less than a couple of thousand left and, and what's the reason for that uh, that is a minefield of answers which it's not even worth answering. Yeah. They don't want you. It's that simple. So is it coming from their side? Correct. There's no training. There's no um, support. It's kind of you fit in or you leave. Yeah. And, and no training. I mean, are, mm. they, are they trained? And that's the biggest joke. It just looks like... Yeah. Look, in terms of, once again, with reservists, you're speaking about safety and police services. Mm. Um, they are definitely trained. They come out very competent. But you have two years on the job training in the charge office, in the van, learning on the, on the go. And it comes with discipline. When there's yeah. no discipline, there's no training, nothing happens. So tell me now, what is, it, what is the typical training for to become a – so you are leaving school mm. and you're thinking of joining police services. Mm. What is the training process that uh, – Well, you go, to, you go to your college. Uh, well, first you go to your local police station. You'd apply there. You'd go through a psychometric test to check that you're not in that case. Um, and you'd have right. to pass that. No criminal record. You have to have a driver's license. And there's a couple of uh, dynamics that you have to comply to before. Mm. Once that is uh, approved, you'd go to a police college yeah. and you would then do your training there, like we had at military service back in the day, and you get to learn the law, the Criminal Procedure Act, et cetera, et cetera. Because, it's, again, you have to be an expert to every crime scene that you attend to. One might be a, 
serious crime scenes such as a murder, and the next one might be uh, assault. So how long is that process then? Because like, I know we, the army used to go in for two, two years, years yeah. and then it now became one year, and then you were a yeah, soldier. It's, it's, it's over a year or just on a year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the on-the-job training is two years. So on-the-job training. So, you, they, they, so, hang on, so let me just understand this. I, do you have to do off-site training? And then you go to on-site on-the-job training. Is that how it works? So you learn in a police college, then you get transferred to a police station, yeah. and then you're basically put under someone's command for the next two years on the job, training, well, learning with someone with more experience, and learning as you go. Okay, sure. I, yeah, it's, I, I just wonder if it's actually working. Because uh, I, 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 it's just a complete breakdown at the moment. And I, totally. And, and you almost feel like you're helpless. And, and you're saying you have to get involved... And what you spoke about just sounds like a lot of work with not really any sort of way of making a difference. Well, the more people that join it, it makes a difference. Uh, if you're apathetic and you sit back and say it's someone else's problem, you don't make a difference. Yeah. You have to make a difference. So if you're not happy in the policing in your, in your area or the crime in your area, yeah. approach your local pl policing forums and take it from there. There must be a local policing forums already out there. Yeah, plenty. So if anybody's out or part of a local policing forum, CPF. Let, let us know. Uh, don't forget that WhatsApp line is 064-536-8228. Right, we're back on the Early Late Show. Uh, it's Castle Council Tuesday night in studio with me, the Captain Bygrave. Talking security, talking police, talking uh, our rights, and obviously a big topic at the moment around the country is the increase in crime. Uh, seems to be going a little bit dilly at the moment. We heard of a crazy uh, a murder just down the road from uh, the studio in Broadacres on was it Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday evening, 6 o'clock. The, well, the guy got shot just... Yeah, they robbed the liquor store there at 6 o'clock and shot him. No reason. Was there no reason at all? Well, there's always a reason. They're going for the cash, but... yeah. It's trigger happy, you know. Um, they get scared, they make a mistake, or they yeah. fire a shot, and people die. So, so I mean, six o'clock, the thing's still open, though. Well, it's closing time. That's when the tills are full. That's oh, so was that, that time. Is that, is that the time they close now? Yeah. Six o'clock. Six o'clock. And, and is that any weekends though? Because I was confused because I thought they closed later. So I was like, that's sort of people well, are still in the shop, or maybe it's, maybe it's the weekend. Maybe it's the trading time for weekends. Yeah, I don't know. So that's yeah, just the day. So. I mean, you you involved in terms of on the security side. I know you were involved in a couple of the uh, neighborhood watches out in Bryanston, and there was Correct. quite a few things there. And you've been advising there. What's the what's happening out there at the moment in terms of security stats? Because we're not really getting that at the moment. We don't really hear what's all we hear about is Corona stats. We don't mm. get what's happening and uh, is crime on the increase and to what extent are we are we in danger? Well, with COVID, crime was almost non-existent because mm -hmm. no one was out. Everybody was at home. Yeah. So the criminals went on the road and um, everyone was at home, so they, they weren't spending money. The shops were closed. and So there was not a lot of crime happening then. Mm. Um, but then once things started getting tough, people started starving, they go back to the basics, which is yeah. crime. And I think crime has definitely increased uh, because people have battled th through the last year. Mm. And they now are more opportunistic than planned crime. So they see you as a weak target. They'll handle you at the ATM or the handle you in the traffic or whatever the case may be, mm. as opposed to organized, structured crime. So so w what do you, I mean, in terms of, of, of safety now, are we seeing an increase in hijackings again? Are we seeing 
uh, is, is house breaking in, in? Is that the, the thing? Well, I think the curfew is still in effect from midnight till four. Yeah. So people are not just moving as freely as they used to be. So if you had a car on the road at two o'clock in the morning, it was not unusual. Mm. Now, if there's one car on the road at two o'clock in the morning, it's normally a police car and another car. And you're going to yeah. get stopped. I mean, the cops are pretty vigilant at night stopping yeah. people. SAPS, that is. And they have the right to stop you, to check why, why you're breaking curfew, where you're driving, and where you're coming from. Um, in terms of crime stats, I, I'm not that familiar, but I, I would believe that it is on the increase. I don't believe that we've had a decrease in crime because people are starving. And that's what happens. Yeah. So how do we take care of, of ourselves now? What, what, what's, the, what's the way forward here? Because as I said, I see the reports again of the smashing grabs going up with robots again. That's the opportunist sure. stuff we spoke about. Sure. Um, hijacking, uh, the Rolex gang type of scenario sure. is happening. What do we have to do? How do we become aware? What's the, what's the telltales we need to be aware of at the moment? Well, the major thing about crime prevention is that, is that it starts with you. Yeah. So if you are looking after your own self, you, you're aware of your surroundings, you look after your own property, you look after your own car. So driving with your handbag on the front seat of your car is a bit silly. Uh, you're a weak target for someone mm -hmm. that looks in at a robot. If they do have a criminal intent, they might break your window and take your handbag. If the handbag was in the boot, it probably wouldn't have happened. So once again, crime prevention starts with yourself. In terms of house breakings, that's more plan because they want to see if there's dogs, if there's electric fences. They've scouted your property for a couple of days before they come in. Mm. And again, they come in quickly to get in, get out, because the payday is quite limited in terms of what they take. So if there's three guys robbing you, they have to divide whatever they've taken by three people. And if it's not worth the reward, yeah. why do it? Well, isn't, isn't the reward the fact they just get something? Because right now, as you say, there's actually nothing. Correct. But to fence it through the townships or to, to get rid of the computer or the Apple Mac is not that easy anymore because of all these apps that can track and trace certain electrical devices yeah. and stuff. So it's not easy to get rid of. So what are you finding is busy at the moment in terms of your your side of your... I think know, it's, or, it's, it's kind of shifted a little bit, for, certainly in my business. So yes, you always have the house breakings. You always have syndicates that come into an area that do robberies and they break into houses in, in a suburb all at once yeah. because they could rent a property in that area and they could then... Um, have a place to go to of safety when the police are looking for them, that's easy. Uh, it happens in gated communities and uh, big communities like Danefern, it's happened where they've had crime syndicates living there breaking into houses there. Yeah. But it's changed because now what's happened is your white-collar criminal is now looking for a, an angle to hustle. So he's, uh, someone's desperate, they're selling their computer online, on Gumtree or whatever the case may be, they get fake proof of payments from people, they send an Uber to fetch the, the product and it's gone. How do you um, get a fake proof of payment? Well, I don't know. These guys have got ways and means of sending you a fake proof of payment that they've purchased or paid for your product. Yeah. They then say, well, I'm sending someone to fetch it. They send a third party, an Uber. So if you catch the Uber, well, the Uber doesn't know. He's not part of the crime. He's just yeah. collecting something. He's just the courier. And, yeah. And then he, they deliver it and it's gone. Um, so that white, white collar sort of crime is up and it's a lot more structured in terms of why break into a house to steal something when you can buy it online and send a fake proof of payment. Yeah. So, so is, is that what is, seems to be well, on the increase? That's happening a lot, yeah. Definitely. And so, how do you solve that? How do you, how do you, how do you catch that? Like, I mean, again, crime prevention starts with you. So you don't release your goods until the money's reflecting in your account. Um, proof of payment, and, and what that is, they put you under pressure. Now I'm sending someone. I've got to do this. I've got to do this, and they fluster you to almost believe that they are the intentions are good. If you go back to basics of when the money appears in my account, I will, re will release the goods.
I've heard, I've heard stories of, of money appearing but not cleared and then the guys let the stuff go. That they, they do that fake deposit where they put money in that doesn't well, really go. Well, in the old days it used to be a check. Yeah. So they and they stopped check a lot of checks now. Well, checks don't exist anymore. From November last year, you, there are no checks. Um, you can't get a check anymore. I don't even know that. No. Oh, so I don't use Your check's check. in the post. My check's in the post. That's why you haven't got it. Must be left last November. Yeah, exactly. So that, okay. checkbooks don't exist anymore. So that used to happen. Yes, you'd get a deposit. Um, so now they just fake deposit slipping. So they're just writing out a fake deposit slip Correct. and getting a fake stamp and then sending you that. Or they put five rain in your account and then they change the deposit slip and put two zeros on and say we paid you 500. Yeah. Uh, oh, happens. wow. Yeah. Okay. So you, so so what's keeping you busy right now in terms of crime and what's happening out there? Um, my business is pretty specific in terms of it's a referral business. So existing clients, uh, corporate clients, that is keeping me busy. I don't deal with uh, divorces and that kind of nonsense because it's emotional and it just everyone gets hurt along the way. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Definitely not. Not fun. Maybe not fun for the people involved. <laughs> no, it's just it's a nightmare. But corporates are getting handled and they're getting um, uh, fraudulent transactions happening in their businesses. Yeah. And I go in and we investigate, and nine times out of ten, someone in the business is involved. Yeah. So we do polygraphs and we start uh, coordinating an investigation based on the information that's provided. And we come up with suspects, and we're pretty good at getting the right suspect. Quite a big crime at the moment in the corporate world is is the, uh, what do they call it, hold to ransom when the guys get in and crack in the computers and then they, they encrypt the entire thing and then yeah, hold, them, hold them to, to ransom for that. Yeah. Is, is that happening? Because I heard some company last, last week, some guy um, mentioned, I heard it, the company was actually held to ransom on that exact thing. And they wanted crypto, funny enough, for in yeah, well, payment. It does exist, yeah. yeah. So I think it just depends on the size of the business. Um, again, that's very specific. It's a, it's a targeted crime where you have to have knowledge. Yeah. Um, it's not just rocking up with a gun and taking yeah. a TV. So most of the time is it's local inside corruption. 80% of any crime or corporate crime that we are investigating at the moment has an inside element, which is giving leaking information or is part of the crime syndicate. Yeah. Without a oh. doubt. All right. Castle Council. Yeah, Castle Council. And we're in studio with my good friend Rob Bygrave talking security, uh, police, everything that's going on in the moment in this country. And. Uh, just some advice from uh, the captain just about how things are and what we can do. One of the things, Rob, that's come up and we've actually, I've seen it now happen once or twice with, with one or two of uh, sort of business guys is the extortion. Ex guys extorting them for, you know, protection, the whole idea, you can't do this here unless we look after you. Is that something you get involved in, something you, you, you facilitate? Not really. Um, I think those days used to be. Uh, now, not really. People aren't really extorted to pay for protection. Yeah. They have their own bouncers and they go through a company and they look after the place. And security itself. Because, I mean, there are a lot of security companies out there all fighting for work. Yeah, but, I mean, what security would they provide a, a restaurant for? Example? They're going to do yeah. armed response or alarming. I mean, yeah. that's all they can really do. Yeah. Your main security companies, they handle home protection and yeah. your armed response. And then, so, the, so that's not really... It used to be. Uh, uh, it's not as big as it used to be. Yeah, correct. Okay. All right. Debt collecting. 
Seems to be a big thing at the moment. This just seems to be one that everyone <laughs> seems to be struggling with at the moment. Purely from a point is that people just don't have money. What's the? How do we go about this? And and what what is worth collecting? What is not worth collecting? Because that's also the line. Like a guy will say, "Well, a guy owes me like fifty grand." Mm. How do you determine what's worth and not worth it? What's what's the fundamental in that? Well, what's the advice to the guy that's wanting somebody to get his money? And for you to say, listen, don't waste your time. What, what's, the, what's the key factors in that? Look, when it comes to debt collecting, there's always parameters that initiated the debt in the beginning. So it's a family friend that needed help. You help them, whatever the case may be. Anything under 20,000 rand goes through the small claims court. Mm-hmm. So that would be a loan or whatever the case may be. Or if you buy something from somebody and they renege on the deal, they spend your money, you take them to a small claims court and you go through the process. Does that process still work? Yes, it does. It's quite easy. Uh, you represent yourself. There's no lawyers involved, and you present your case. They present their case, and the judge makes a ruling. Where is that held? Randburg Courts in Johannesburg. Uh, they have it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always hear about it, but I never actually knew it actually happened. So it works. It does work, but it's okay. up to twenty thousand rand. Right. Anything more than that, you'd need to go through the criminal, or not through criminal, through a lawyer, civil, mm. um, which is cumbersome in itself because the courts are overcrowded. They're full. It's very expensive to try and uh, litigate mm. or to sue someone for money. So you'd have to issue a summons, and that costs money. And it's going to take you two years before you get it before a judgment or anything like that. Once you get the judgment, mm. what's the judgment worth? Yeah, nothing. So, so is this where you come into it? So, Correct. So what's the process now? I've got somebody who owes me money. What do I do? Okay, well, people come to us once they've exhausted the legal process. They get frustrated with it. It becomes very cumbersome, very expensive, and it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to issue a summons. They then give a, a notice to defend, and this can go on for years. Yeah. But every time you're sending out a letter, it's costing you 10 grand, whatever yeah. the case may be. And then to litigate uh, with a senior counsel or with lawyers – you're in for 100 grand minimum or maybe 60 grand a day. Yeah. Um, a day? A day. I mean, an advocate can earn 40 grand uh, for a court appearance for the day. And you go there and it gets um, remanded or deferred and you still pay the, your attorney's cost for, for that day. So that becomes quite cumbersome. People approach us once they're frustrated and they'll come to us and say, listen, this is what we did. This is where we are in the legal process. Help. And then we look at the merits of the case. Um, sometimes you can't get that out of a stone. Yeah. Uh, what's the point? So yeah. if you've written off 300 grand, well, it's school fees, sadly. So, so, you, gotta, so you come in and, and you, you sort of investigate Correct. the sides of the story. Correct. We, we look at both sides and we try and obviously find a solution or we engage both parties to see. Because if it's a genuine debt and the person wants to pay it, then you put a payment plan in place and you move on. But by the time it's gotten to the us, people don't want to talk anymore because they've been through the court process, cost them both money, and there's frustrations. So we have to um, use our talents to get people to be motivated to pay. So what's the talent? Because well, the idea of debt collecting is it's always got this... Breaking legs sort of... Breaking legs, guys. Okay, so yeah. that, that's the connotation that, that's yeah. attached to it. And I think it's always going to be attached to it. But is it, so what is the talent that that you need or what would you do outside of the court because obviously in the outside of the court realm that's, cause that's not working and outside of physically hurting somebody what is the process that you could possibly follow and this i mean some examples of some things yeah well, well so I, first of all you you need to find the sweet spot 
Mm. So if I owe you a million rand, for argument's sake, and yeah. it's a business deal that's gone sour, you can sue me and I've got nothing, I've got nothing. I've, I've got no intention of paying. Mm. I'm never going to pay. If I owe you the million rand and my intentions are good and pure and it's just a bad business deal, mm. but I want to pay you because I have a relationship with you, you look for the sweet spot. You engage both sides and say, what's your settlement? What, do you, what can you afford? What do you want? Then you go back to the other party and you negotiate a settlement, which is normally 40, 50 cents on the rent. Mm. So if it's half. But rather get half, half of something than nothing. Sure. But so I, you, you, that's kind of where we come in. Yeah. Without breaking legs, you look for a sweet spot and you try and get both parties to agree to that. But why couldn't I just do that myself? Why do I need you? Ego. Okay, so you almost be, almost become like the mediator Correct. in the whole process. Correct. Okay, and, you, and that doesn't work? Well, what's the, I mean, is, is, there, is there a case of having to dig up stuff or is there a case of trying to find out where they've taken money? Is it a case of exposing hidden stuff? I, I mean, is it that, is, does it go that cloak and dagger? Or is it, it can go that cloak yeah. and dagger if there's an intent to defraud your creditors. Yeah. So if I'm getting a divorce and I'm hiding money from my wife, then yes, um, I'm hiding the money. Do you get involved purpose. in that? I don't touch divorces, like I said earlier. But if it's a business that's been sold and the wife is supposed to be getting some proceeds of that sale of that business and the man has then hidden that money in the process of his divorce, yeah. obviously we get involved because we want to go after the money. Where's the money? Um, so that, you investigate that money trail? Correct. From start and to finish and find the money. And how do you do that? Um, I mean, what, what, what's the pl- I mean, is it legal what you do? I mean, it sounds weird, but more, I mean, it, uh, I sort of sounds cloak and dagger, espionage sort of type of thing to discover this stuff. Or is it a pretty much a case of just following what's out there? What's, well, I, what, I think it's called private investigation for a reason, Stephen. It's, it's private. private. Yeah. Exactly. So See, we do what we need to do to get okay. our information. Okay. And we don't disclose but it. if you were collecting money from me and you got information that, that I didn't give you about something that was mine in, privately, isn't that, isn't that itself, uh, isn't that like a something in law you're breaking there? I mean, uh, not really, because you're in civil litigation. You're not in criminal litigation. So civil uh, is, um, well, I don't know what happened. Unless you make an oath statement, yeah. then it's perjury where you've lied um, yeah. with an intent to defraud, then it's fraud. So you're allowed to basically dig into something to find Correct. it, if, as long as you find out something that's relative relative to the matter. Correct. Correct. And again, it's a, it's a dartboard with a, a bullseye, and you've just got to get as close as possible to that bullseye, yeah. um, with whatever information you can dig yeah. up. The persuasion, the, the persuasion, persuasion of pain. All right, so if you, anybody out there is, is, has got any issues and looking for some, I would say, debt collection, such a cuck word. It is, I think. Uh, I'm allowed to say, I'm allowed to say that word. I'm allowed, I don't even know I'm allowed to say cuck. I just said it. Okay, well then. Such a cuck word mm. because it's just got such a bad connotation to it. It's almost like debt mediation. Well, that's what it's become. Yeah. Everyone's in trouble. And yeah. Everyone's battling and people get hit all the time in terms of finances yeah. some of them are school fees which you write off and some of them are worth recovering just depends on how yeah. big yeah. the debt is to you okay that makes sense right we at uh, Carlson's Council the early late show yeah on Tuesday night, with me in studio, Mr. Bob, Rob, Rob Bygrave. Bob? Rob. Not Rob. Robo Rob. Bob the, Bobby on the beat. Rob, Robo Rob. Yeah. So, Rob, Rob, you were talking about just off air now, um, 
about the security industry, and I was saying to you that uh, it sounds like skullduggery, you know, debt collecting. It's got that such a bad connotation. And you mentioned that it's actually regulated the whole process. Correct. It's actually regulated by CIRA, which is a private security industries regulation, which is a government organization which grades all security personnel. So from your guards that you see at shopping centers to your complexes, right up until debt collectors, private investigators, whatever the case may be. How, how far do, do security guards and those sort of things, powers extend it's, uh, like towards the police? Because like, you always find that sometimes they start feeling they, their own sort of little law. Do yeah. they only have power within that area that they, they, they're, they're working? Well, a, a security guard, and I think let's just uh, try and differentiate. As someone who's delivered, deliver, delivering cash for fidelity yeah. is armed, um, it's high risk, and he's going to certainly be on his guard. Mm. A security guard at your complex who's sitting in the, in the little room there with uh, his TV on yeah. isn't because yeah. he's not got the same risk. What authority do they carry? The authority of where they're working? Exactly, the authority of the complex. So that's what they do. Um, Armed guards is very different because they have different responsibilities. And if they use a firearm, they're using it in a civil capacity to prevent a crime. They're not mandated to stop crime and see a crime and pull out the gun. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. So if I was was an armed security guard transporting money Mm. and I saw a hijacking and I got involved, would I be allowed to get involved in... In In a civilian capacity, you could. But I mean... You wouldn't. You I mean, wouldn't have a right to do it. Correct. I mean, Just it's the same as me driving with my firearm and a crime happens in front of me. Yeah. I can try and prevent that crime, but then I become part of the, the crime. Yeah. Um, so if I'm guilty, I'm going to be charged and go through the Criminal Procedure Act accordingly. Yeah. And then I have to defend my actions for the next five years. Cost me a fortune. Why get involved? Sure. But again, isn't that the case of we like don't get Apathy. involved? So yeah. then you start that whole process of everyone Correct. just burying their heads in the sand. Correct. So, Rob, if people want to get hold of you and uh, want to find out or they need some help with their collection, need some private investigating, need some security advice in terms of, I don't know, um, their, their systems, how do they get hold of you? What's your, what's your number there? What's your digits? I, I think the easiest is email. Um, okay. What's your email so address? Rob Bygrave72. Uh, I'm, I'm only 37, but it's just a number that I came up with. So. <laughs> Rob Bygrave72 at Gmail. Dot com. Stop laughing, Stephen. It's not that funny. It's <laughs> R-O-B-Y-G-R-A-V-E at Gmail. No, 72. Oh, 72. Yes. Uh, 72 is very The year of your birth. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, before we, we, we close out the show tonight, I, I thought it's, it's a very important that, and, and I know that a couple of the guys listening in would, would want me to get, get to this. So um, on every Thursday night, we have the power hour that happens here with uh, Justin Power. And we get to talk quite a lot of nonsense, and we also talk some, some interesting things. But one of the things that came up in the Power Hour a couple of weeks ago was um, I had to guess which one of my friends had yeah. never done something or had done, and I had sure. to guess who it was. And the one question was, who, which one of your friends had never ridden a bicycle? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I subsequently found out that it was you. You didn't get it right? Well, I, I was given a bit of a help. Uh, you know, on the WhatsApp line, somebody, oh, okay. somebody, somebody yeah. sent a me. So I, get, I got it right on the show, but I, I didn't actually know that. I, yeah. I, I, well, I, I was surprised. I'm good at drinking tequila with you, Stephen, yeah. but we haven't ridden the okay. 94.7 so, years. So that's where, where this conversation is going now. Uh, oh, so really? we are organizing, and I say we, the Power Hour is organizing a, a cycle tour. 
um, where we're all going to get bicycles, including yourself. Oh. And then we're going to cycle to a sorbet to have a, a day of being pampered. This sounds like hell on earth. No, 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 no. It's a, so th- we spoke about manscaping and, and looking after yourself last week as part of the, the, the power. So we said, well, let's take the bicycles to a sorbet, men, mm. and then do a, a cycle tour with, with Rob, and then we'll do the, Really? We'll do the, are, are you in? <laughs> You've caught me totally off guard. Of course. I'll give it a go, but can I get training wheels? Because I'm going to fall over. Like we'll have, we'll have to get you a, a tricycle, one of those big tricycles. Exactly, yeah. Like a penny fathering, but with the side things, if I, that's I okay. think we can get bicycle. I think somebody out there must know how to can teach cycling, and then we're going to do this. We're not going to go far. We're going to find the Solway man that's... Do I get a helmet? We'll give you whatever body protection you, <laughs> you need. need a lot, Stephen. <laughs> and then we're going to cycle... Uh, all, everyone has to cycle, even 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 Mr. Power. Wow. And that could be quite that funny could be itself. quite funny, yeah. So we're all going to cycle uh, to the sorbet and then have be pampered with uh, facials and all that kind of thing. And then we'll, we'll end up somewhere for it. For I'm a, in. For, it sounds for, like a lot of fun. For, Let's yeah. do it. Are you in? I'm in. All right. That's definitely going to happen then. We're going to organize that. Mr. Power, if you're listening, make sure you're ready for Thursday night. We can discuss the dynamics of it. All right, Rob, thanks for coming in tonight. Thanks much. To the Castles Council and having a chat and talking a little bit about the security and the current crime and lots of stuff, debt collecting, things I didn't wasn't too sure about how they worked and how to have a little bit of an idea. Hopefully the people out there have a bit of an idea as well. And um, we're going to close out tonight with uh, one of your favorite songs. So we're going to close that out with the show. I want to just say thanks very much. Cheers, my champ. Thank you. Thank you very much. Remember, guys, It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. I'm Stephen Castle. Look after yourselves. Uh, We're out of here.